Harper Waters is a black gay ballet dancer. These three things are important. Black, Harper was adopted when he was two weeks old by a white mom and dad. People stared at him because he was different. He couldn't control their gaze, but he learned to widen his and to navigate his way under the watchful eye of others. Gay, Harper came out at 14. Because of stories he'd heard of gay kids being bullied and tormented, Harper transferred out of public school to a private dance school, and his career had begun. Dancer. Harper always danced, and he was good at it. Really good. He toured with a company at 17. He won an international competition in Switzerland at 18. And now he's a soloist with the fourth largest dance company in the United States, the Houston Ballet. He's also an influencer. Harper has over 143,000 Instagram followers. Harper doesn't shy away from people's gaze anymore. He welcomes it because the more eyes on him, the more people know what's possible, that there is space in the ballet world for a black gay man. Harper uses his difference to empower, inspire, and activate people to know that anything is possible and anyone can achieve it. Hi, I'm Daphne Cohn, and you're listening to the Creativity Habit Podcast, the practice behind the art, the story behind the artist. Today's guest is ballet dancer Harper Waters. In this conversation, we talk about the moment Harper realized he was gay, the video that went viral and catapulted his Instagram fame, what it means to be an influencer, going from small town great to big town nobody, and finding his way to the dance world and making his way within it. May it inspire you to make your thing and change your world. Welcome, Harper, to the Creativity Habit Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Just so you know, dance is my absolute favorite form of art and ballet in particular and modern dance. So it's always, I've interviewed very few dancers and it's always a real pleasure for me because I love dance so, so much. Um, The first question that I want to ask you is, how dance showed up for you as a little boy. I know we're going to get into it as you got older, but sure. was it there for you as a little boy? Um, it really, it wasn't. I was adopted at two weeks into um, a Caucasian family. And my, both my parents are, they were English professors and teachers. So, and I know we can get into that, but um, it wasn't like dance and arts wasn't something that was um, introduced to me. I think that really what it was is just over time, my parents saw that I was a constant mover. I was responsive to rhythm and music, and I just had a whole ton of energy. Being in the arts and being somewhat educated, my parents thought, let's put him in dance and see what happens. So dance was kind of more so (laughs) a simmer down for me rather than um, an opportunity. Do you remember the first dance class? I don't remember the first dance class, but I do have a, there is a VHS of me in a gold lame vest in a sea of like 30 girls. um, And I'm front and center. And I think it was tap, but like all I did was bang my foot against the ground. And that was like my first kind of experience. I don't even know if you can really call it dance. I really feel like I just was like standing there. I do have that memory, but when I joined private school in Maine, dance was um, ironically an option. And it wasn't like cheerleading or like dance team. It was really, they offered a variety of classes. I, I just connected with the people who had been taking it. I, I was meeting girls and um, other students who 
took those classes and I wanted to be around those people. The studio and dance has always been a comfort zone for me. And I have always tried to put myself into environments where I felt like I was going to be supported and the most comfortable. And so I, when I saw those people and they were in the dance classes, I, I knew that I had to be there as well. So it wasn't like that moment on the stage in your gold lame vest and tapping yeah. it. Like that was not some pivotal moment for you where you went, oh my gosh, this is it. I think that, I think what I, I enjoyed was the energy and the attention. I think every dancer loves a bit of attention on them, but it wasn't, you know, I, I just don't think I thought I could have a career in dance, you know, I just, that wasn't even like a possibility to me. So dance was something that I had fun doing, but just because I went to school every single day and did math and history and science and my, both my parents were college educated. I mean, both went to college and then grad school, they met in Brown, you know, it just was, it never crossed my mind that it was a possibility to pursue. So I was like, oh, dance will be a part of my life but I, didn't, I just didn't know in what capacity. Right. And then you just mentioned your parents and I, I know you said you were adopted and this is something that you, I've heard you say in different interviews at different times. Like I know that's something you're very comfortable talking about and it also seems really important to you to talk about because it is one of the first things you'll say. Mm-hmm. What is yeah. it about being adopted that's so important to you? I just think that my gr- I grew up... Um, being an only child and so when you walk everywhere with two white parents you get stares you get looked at and um i as a child i struggled with that and i struggled with people's opinions and perception of me and i remember always like hiding behind my mom or grabbing onto my dad being like people are looking people are looking and it wasn't until i got older and kind of began my journey of confidence and accepting who I was that I was like people who are looking at you like that are just uncomfortable and are uncertain and a lot of people's tendency is to retract and to not inquire and I just think that it's something that we need to not do in general and so I just like to lead with that as a way of saying this is me this is who I am I grew from this experience and now I try not to even personally if if something makes me uncomfortable or if something is different I try to look at it and be like well how else can I connect to these people so I kind of take that feeling that I felt and use that in a way to not make other people feel like I did yeah, I'm, I'm so proud to be adopted. And I think that I just say that because when I say that I've connected with so many other people who are adopted. And it, it's really ironic that a lot of dancers are adopted. And it's especially of, of color. Michaela de Prince was adopted. My good friend Jim Nowkowski of Ballet Met, who was the demi-soloist here, and on So You Think You Can Dance, he was adopted. Um, so it just, it, I just lead with that as a way to, for people to connect with. One of the things that's interesting is you said a dancer always likes some attention. Oh, yeah. Probably a lot of attention. And at the same time, as a child, you received a lot of negative attention. Like you got a lot of attention, but it wasn't wanted attention. Yeah. 
what's fascinating about that is that you didn't take that and turn that into attention is bad. It was the type of attention. Did you go through a period where you had to recalibrate what attention means? Or was it just a knowing that, oh, this is attention I don't want, but I do love attention. I just like positive attention. I think what it was, was that it was attention that I had no control over. You know, if I'm on stage, I dictate the movement. I dictate the, dictate the energy. I get to showcase my hard work. And seeing in that feeling of accomplishing something on stage and getting that sort of response from people and that attention is positive. It's the attention that I get that despite everything I've done or worked for, I'm met with people who just have a preconceived notion of who I am based on what I look like or how I dress or how I carry myself. And it's that type of attention that at first made me incredibly uncomfortable. And I carried with me for many years into the studio and outside of the studio. I would have days where I could, I would be like, ignore the haters. It's fine. Just be you. But you know, like it is something when you're going through, especially in dance, when you see other people doing things that you want to do and it's hard to open yourself up and, and be yourself in the studio when people are watching you dance, you're like, are they judging me? Are they thinking I'm bad? And I would always struggle with the attention that I couldn't control. I still to this day do, but it's definitely a work in progress and something that I've just developed through given, be, being given opportunities on stage and in the studio and working with people and meeting new people. Yeah. How did your parents help you navigate that? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, I, had a tr- I, I feel like I had a tricky childhood in the sense that I know I was difficult. <laughs> and looking back at it, and looking back at my childhood now, a lot of what they, would do, what they were doing was trying to protect me. But I took that as resistance and holding me back. That's difficult to acknowledge as a, as a young person and as a teenager going through what I was going through. You know, I was discovering my sexuality. I was discovering my career path. And this was all so foreign to not only my parents, but to me. But I thought I knew everything, the answers to everything. I wasn't really aware that what sacrifices my parents were letting me do in sending me away to summer programs when I'm 13 14 years old like that's kind of crazy but they were letting me be me and letting me pursue what made me happy but when I would come back and say I want to leave high school or I want to be this you know it was met with a lot of concern and I and I resisted and I pushed back so we I mean not to go dive so deep but it just was that created a lot of turmoil but I'm happy to say that, you know, I am here because of my parents. I would not have accomplished all that I have without them. You entered into dance in large part, it sounds like, because one, you just like your parents put you there because you were moving all the time and maybe this was going to help with that. But also because you connected with the people who were in dance, like you'd like those people, you wanted to be around them. And at what point did dance start to become a part of who you are i will i really remember a time when uh i was given the new york city ballet 
Nutcracker starring Macaulay Culkin as the, like the young prince, I would watch it on repeat every single day. And in the core of, of the snow scene, there was one black girl. Like my eye just immediately went to her and I was like, she stands out. And I kept watching her and I was like, why am I watching her? Is it because of her skin? It's, but like, she was really good. And that kind of made me want to um, explore New York City ballet. So I, I would search people, I would search dancers and I discovered Albert Evans. And it just so happened that later, like I, f- I feel like maybe a few months later, New York City Ballet had a broadcast on TV on PBS and he was dancing in it and they danced Red Angels by Ulysses Dove. And it's like, I can see it now. Like I just was so captivated by him. And I feel like I'm someone and I feel like dancers are too, because we're an art form that doesn't use words. We connect through energy and uh, movement. And I was just enthralled with him. I mean, it was like, it was like, I was like seeing myself up there and I was like, I have to do that. Like I have to be like him. But, and it was also, <laughs> I was like, he's older. Like, he's old. Yeah, how old were you? I feel like I must have been, like, nine or ten years old. Okay. And I was like, New York City Ballet. I was like, oh, so he can, he works for them as a dancer, and he's fierce. You know, like, I was like, how his hips moved, how his focus was, the look in his eye, the raised eyebrows, I was like, that is me. And I was like, I can do that. And I think just in researching New York City ballet in New York, I was like, I'm going to end up in New York. I'm going to be in New York. And I discovered Alvin Ailey. And it worked, it's, it worked out that my dad, who taught um, at the University of New Hampshire, Alvin Ailey, too, came to perform. And this was like my first live feet away performance of a professional company and it was african-american men who were so strong and so physical and i was like i have to be up there i have to be doing that it just was like i really 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 want to be doing that so i would i researched and i was like okay so they have a summer program but you have to do a lot of ballet and like it's a ballet audition and at the time i had moved from doing dance solely at my private school to a competition dance studio. I just wanted to take more ballet. And I was like, I have to take ballet to get into Alvin Ailey. Besides Albert Evans, I was like, I saw a lot of African-American people in Alvin Ailey. So I was like, oh, well, that's where I have to be. That's, that's just what I'm meant to do. That was where dance had a larger impact on me. And I, and I started doing it more often. And did you get feedback from teachers that like encouraged you said wow you're you've got a lot of talent or I mean what were you hearing from the people around you in the classes that you were in just there was like kind of the group that was considered the elite dancers of my private school and they were only supposed to be high schoolers but I was in the fifth grade and I got into it oh wow I had a lot of natural ability like I was flexible I had rhythm. I had musicality. I look back at the video, so and I was like mortified. I was like, I shouldn't have had that much confidence. Um, but I had that idea in my mind. And then girls who went to um, my private school, 
they also went to this competition dance studio and they were like, you need to come take classes with us. We have no boys. And so a lack of boys mixed with potential, you know, like I would do the, I would, I'm always in the middle for the numbers. I would do these duets with the girls and it just was so fun. It just was, it was like, I felt like, oh, okay, like this, I'm, I'm, I'm becoming better. So I knew that I was, I was getting attention, but it was, I think every dancer experiences this where in your small town, well, I said, well, I guess I should say a lot of professional dancers experience this. When you're in your small town, you're the, you're the best. You get all the praise, but it's when you make that next step to a summer program, that's when, and it did happen to me, my eyes just opened and I was like, oh, okay, now I see what I have to do. Now I see what it, what it really will take if I want to make this a thing. So instead of it deflating your very young ego, it encouraged you, it inspired you to say, all right, if I'm going to do this, this is what I have to do. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm jumping over kind of a big milestone in my career because, so I was a freshman in my, at the private school that I'm referring to. And that um, summer before my sophomore year, I decided to come out. When did you first know that you were gay? You know, I think it was, I was someone who was, like I keep saying, I just, I responded to people and watching certain characters on TV I just knew. I would sneak to watch like the kisses of the people in the movies, but like only look at the boys. Or like there was a guy named Pedro Zamora on The Real World, and I would sneak to go to MTV just so I could watch Pedro because he was so funny. And but they kept saying and kind of enforcing his storyline that he was gay, that he was gay, that he was gay. Um, and then with shows like America's Next Top Model, I mean that was literally what was playing right before I came out. And there's a character on it, his name is Miss J, who was like the runway coach, strutting in heels, and I knew he was a man. And of course there's no label to him. I mean, they're not like, Miss J, he's gay. But it was, it was, I was watching that, I kid you not, I was watching it, and my two friends from high school called me, and they're like, what are you doing tonight? Are we gonna go out? And I was like, I don't know, like I'm just watching, America's Next Top Model right now. And they were like, oh, we love Miss J. He's like, just like you, except he's, <laughs> they're like, he's gay. And I said, oh, you know, I think I am too. Just like that. Just like that. And I said, you know, yeah, no, I am too. And they were like, oh, okay, cool. And, <laughs> um, you know, it just, it happened so matter of fact. And I was like, I kind of realized like what I had said and I was like, I'm going to go. And so I hung up the phone and I felt so relieved and I felt such this like wave of emotions that I just was like, I need to go down and tell my parents. So I just went downstairs and I was like, mom, dad, I have something to tell you. And I sat them down and I said, I'm gay. And my dad started tearing up and I thought I had upset him but he just gave me a huge hug. And my mom was like, I knew since you were two. Um, (laughs) Well, you could have made this a lot easier if you just kind of nudged. But, you know, in hindsight, I'm like, thank you for letting me say it in my own time. But 
it was very, very odd because about hours later, I was like, I can't go back to high school. Like, I cannot do it. I was petrified. I was like, I will be bullied. I will be tormented. I have no friends. People will make fun of me. Um, I just was like, I'm going to be harassed. It's going to be hell. And it was all scenarios in my head of me just being tormented. So I knew of a high school in Boston called Walnut Hill School for the Performing Arts. And I knew of a girl who had attended from my studio, the competition dance studio that I was going to. And I was like, I need to go. I need to audition. I, I, I have to go there because I knew people would be like me there. And it, I auditioned and two weeks later I was going there as a ballet student. And it's very interesting that my career in dance really started, yes, out of potential, but also a fear of who I was and being, being tormented. And of course I look back and I'm like, and I've had friends reach out because I've shared this before who have said, we would have loved you. We would have, we would have supported you. And so I don't know about if changing your environment is always the best thing, but it, it just so happened to work for me. So I, I say that all to say that that's what, how I got to my performing arts high school. Um, and I was pushed to go to Houston um, from there. And that's where I really developed kind of an idea that, okay, I can make ballet a career. Um, and that's how I discovered Houston Ballet. So basically, I mean, it happened so fast. Like one moment you're watching a TV show. The mm-hmm. next moment you're like, oh, I'm gay. Then mm-hmm. like two minutes later, you're telling your parents who already knew, but you're telling your parents. Yeah. And then there's this decision. I, I can't go back. To high school and like then there's a oh I know about the school I'm gonna apply like was was that a tricky process to apply I mean it sounds like it just all fell into place it was it was a little tricky because you know it was the summer and school starts in September and I feel like and I came out in early August so it was within weeks that I had kind of ambushed my parents into making this huge decision about letting me go to boarding school as a dance major. The academic excellence of the school was a huge factor for them to let me go. But it, it, looking back at it, it just, I mean, it felt so fast and it was, it really was. Um, But it almost was like I did, I wasn't aware because the, fear was kind of more overwhelming or just was was more profound and so it's like I had blinders on and I was like you need to change now yeah like you'd already had a lot of experiences of standing out for reasons that like you say you couldn't control so you it wasn't this totally made up thing in your head in the sense that you'd had a childhood of people staring at you because you're a black kid with two white parents. Oh yeah. So yeah, you, that was part of your experience by this point of feeling other and feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, how I saw, how I saw people like me portrayed in the media. Um, and just being aware, I've always like, I've always been someone who has 
pretty just aware of what's going on and down with what's is really happening and I just I would I would hear about stories and I just applied it to myself I was like gay bullied boom and I don't know if it was just me trying to protect myself or I'm always I've also always been someone who's very driven and independent and I I want to take control of things a lot and that might have been my way of doing that like I need to change I need to get out of this so I don't get hurt yeah. And one of the things that you said is that being black and gay is definitely something you've embraced and yeah. that you've tried to use to your advantage. So yes. talk about how you turned it around from something of gay bullied and mm-hmm. like black being stared at and being made other to I'm using this to my advantage. Yeah. I, I like I was saying about just kind of being aware of my surroundings. When I came to Houston, there was an African American dancer. Her name is Lauren Anderson, and she's the first African American principal of a major ballet company. And she just had this confidence about her and the way she walked. And I hadn't heard of her until I came here. And she's a huge reason why my parents allowed me to come here. But besides her, there wasn't a lot. There wasn't a lot of dancers of color. You take a lot of auditions as a student, and it just—I would notice that I was the only one who really looked like me and acted like me. You know, waiting in the halls, everyone was so to themselves or kind of so like prim and proper, and I was like had all this energy and I would joke about things and I knew I stood out, but I also knew that I worked my butt off and that I wanted it. And I just knew that I was working hard. And so I was like, if I already stand out. Well, that's like, I'm, I have an advantage. Now that I have your attention, I'm going to make you see all the hard work that I've done, you know, and I'm going to keep your attention by showing you everything about me. It's like, I was going to make them listen by watching me dance. That's really what it turned into. And it it goes up and down because when I first joined the company, when I got into Houston Ballet, I mean, that's a whole different story. But like just as a student auditioning for Houston Ballet for the summer intensive and then getting into HB2, which is the studio company for two years, I was like, I'm Harper, hear me roar. Like this is, I was like, you need to look at me and I'm going to keep you looking at me. And so I just used what I had to my advantage. Well, okay. So a few things. First of all, I want to get into the working your butt off piece because I want to hear more of what went into that. But before that, when you say like, whew, that's a whole different story. What's that about? I just, I just got really complacent when I joined the company. I thought I had made it. Here I was, I dropped out of high school twice to cut, like I left my, after my freshman year of private school, I only did two years at my boarding school in, in Massachusetts. I finished high school do, doing correspondence. You know, I was touring with the second company as a 17 year old. I went to Switzerland and won a competition when I was 18. I joined as the only apprentice for the 2011 season with Houston Ballet, the fourth largest ballet company in the world, a company of 65 dancers. I was the only dancer. I was like, I've made it. I was like, I'm a dance celebrity. Like, I was like, I was like, it's done. Like, I've, and I was like, here come the roles. Here come the choreography. Like, it was a real wake up call. 
And it didn't hit me until a few months in that I was like, whoa, like the work has just, has only just begun. And it was difficult because like, it's really hard to maintain your technique and your dancing first off when you're not dancing because you're an apprentice, you know, like. As an apprentice, you don't dance. I mean, yeah, because like I would only, I mean, our schedule is six hours a day and I would probably have like one to two hours here or there. I would cover ballets, but be fifth cast of something. In Romeo and Juliet, I was a servant. I stood on the side holding cups. And the only dancing I would really do would be my hour and a half class. But because I thought I had made it, I was like, oh, well, fine, I'll just do the class. And then I wouldn't go to the gym. I wouldn't really apply myself in the back of rehearsals. You know, I didn't understand the importance of being included in a rehearsal, but not dancing, you know, first cast. You know, I just was like, oh, I can just laugh on the side. You know, I'm in the room. I worked, I did work hard, but I was like, why are those dancers getting more opportunities than me? They joined after me. I should be next, you know? But it's like, once you join a company, it's like when you're in the core, it's like everybody's on the same playing field and I really had to reevaluate I really had to step back and teach myself a work ethic and um so it wasn't it wasn't being demanded of you it had to come from you oh yeah it had to come from I mean there's just there's no time you know it's a it's a working organization a ballet company they have ballets to put on choreographers are coming in setting stuff they have reps to do, ballets, to, tickets to sell, you know, it's, there's not a lot of time to, Harper, come on, you know, like, Harper, like, you are your own motivator. I will say that there are certain dancers who, they do nurture, but it's just the, it's just the nature of the game, you know? So how, yeah, how did that feel when you had, like, been the star in your town, and then you go to a boarding school, and you're still, like, really good in your... You're an apprentice at the fourth largest ballet school in the world. And US. Oh, in the US. Okay. And you're on the sidelines. Did you think during that time, mm, maybe dance is not going to be my thing? Or did you just like emotionally, where were you at? And how, how did it start to change for you? I think that at first I was like, it's their fault. <laughs> I was like, they're making the decisions. But I mean, I really quickly stepped back and self-assessed and I realized it was, it was my own doing. We have kind of like annual evaluations where we sit down with our director and they really give us a lot to digest as far as why you're not doing things and what you need to be doing. And the first day I came to Houston Ballet, we had class, a men's class, and I stood at the bar, and mind you not, I was also probably at the top of my class at my performing arts high school. So when I came to Houston Ballet, I had a lot of confidence, and I stood at the bar, and you can see, I mean, there's mirrors everywhere, and I was like, I am not the best. <laughs> and and that was, that was a motivation. That was a time where I was like, Harper, you need to get your butt in gear. And I had lost that. I had lost that motivation when I joined the company and I needed to find my fire again. Dance isn't something that you type in the equation and hit enter. 
so I was like, you need to strap down, buckle up, and you need to work. You can't let down your parents. You can't, I just didn't want to let myself down either, you know? There were certain roles I wanted to dance that were coming up, and I knew that I just wouldn't be able to get those opportunities unless I applied myself. You know, you, you do have to pay your dues. And then, but then it's like, you know, like I, I didn't really think I ha- had the right tools. Like I was like, I have to be like them. I have to do it like this. I have to try it like that. Um, and I was still going through self-acceptance as far as um, bringing myself to my dancing, which is another hurdle that I've had to go through. But um, yeah, I want to ask you, and this may be one of those, because you, one of the things that you said was, the exact reason why I love being a dancer is also the most difficult. It's confronting every emotion you face during the process, which always presents the most challenges. Yeah. And so when I heard that, I thought, okay, what's an example of when you had to seriously confront your emotions in order to take the next leap as a dancer? Well, what's coming to mind really is, is really recent. We, our company did Houston, uh, we did a Don Quixote. And I was cast as Espada, who isn't Basilia, which is the lead, but he's the lead matador. And he has all the fire, all this macho energy, all this machismo. And I mean, it just wasn't something I connected with. And our coaches would be like, get more grounded, find more weight, walk like this. It was just so difficult for me to have the facility and technique to do things, but to have this whole other artistic element hold me back from taking the the role to the next level. And when you I, the whole other artistic element being feeling that character or living it, how do I how do I convey this energy without coming across really fake, but also just but I still always want people to see Harper doing it, you know? Um, I really had to, I had to really analyze the character and I really had to analyze the emotions of what gets me energized, what gets me to feel passion. And I had to be vulnerable. I really had to just let myself go there. I had to try things. I had to make mistakes in the studio. It was a role that I had to know that it wasn't going to happen overnight. I just had to take risks with it looking back at the role, it just gave me such joy to do because I had so much fun doing it on stage. That kind of confirmed my work ethic in the sense that when you are comfortable with who you are and you are able to bring yourself to it and experience all those challenges and experience doubt and second guess yourself and to struggle, that whole process is what makes it worth at the end when you accomplish it. So that's why I said that it's my favorite part, but it's also the worst part because it's, it, really, it really is difficult, but it's so worth it. First of all, I just want to say it's really fascinating that it was so hard for you to get into that role and it kind of circles back to where we not started, but very early on in the beginning when you said that one of the things that came out of your childhood was you working hard to identify with people that you may see as other and trying to understand who they are and how perfect it is that that's exactly what you have to do in some of your most challenging roles in ballet. Yeah. Yeah. So you talk about the doubt, you talk about the fears and the insecurities, and then 
the video that went viral and yeah. gained you thousands of Instagram followers. I have no idea how many, but was a video of you working like on a treadmill on, in high heels and dancing and kind of dancing kind of, you know, and doing, doing your, I don't know what you call it. Do you call it a dance on the treadmill? I mean, routine shredding. In high heels. And so I, I look at that, I'm like, okay, that does not look like somebody who is struggling with doubt and self-confidence and insecurity. Yeah. Like, what is the story there? Like, was there a struggle? Were you struggling at that time? Or was this, like, describe yeah. the process of that. I want to say that I was probably in my early 20s when I did that, probably like 2021, 20, 22, maybe. <laughs> I was fully developed in my fierceness and my ferocity level outside of the studio. I was really confident. I knew who I was. I was unapologetic outside of the studio. And I got those heels as a gift from my friend. And my other friend, he uh, got a pair as well. And we, when we got them, we, he brought them into the gym. We had been working out at the end of the day. And we were like, could you imagine if we put these on and and did something on the on the treadmill and everybody was like oh my god do it do it do it so we did it filmed it i posted it I, I went about my day you know like i was like i didn't even think about it when i went back to my phone the response i got was overwhelming like a millions of views thousands of comments new followers and I, and people were responding to it so much and i was like what is going on and you know i stepped back and i was like they're responding to me being me, me having fun. And no, that doesn't mean I'm going to do Swan Lake in a pair of pink heels. <laughs> but I was like, why am I not bringing myself more to my dancing? You know, it's really interesting. A lot of the corrections I used to get when I was just starting out in the company was it's very academic. And they would say it's very dry they would say, t they would want me to bend more or to play with the musicality because what I would do is I would go out and I would do the steps, but that was it. And I will never forget around the exact same time that I posted that heel video, I was rehearsing for the um, Princess Grace Awards in 2015. And um, it involves sending video footage of you on stage, but also you have to film a solo live in studio one take and i'm rehearsing it with my director and i fell out of a pirouette and i stopped and he stopped the music and i was like oh here we go he's gonna rip into me saying like why did you fall out of that pirouette like what happened and he looked at me and he said you're never going to get the perfect wave it's about riding the wave that you're given in that moment i was like it's not always going to go as planned. So that's why you have to make the most of things. You have to, especially within dance, you can't just do the steps because they're not always going to go well. So you have to make sure that the intention, the story, what are you trying to say behind the steps is just as important as the quality of them. And I was like, why am I, why am I so focused on the pirouette? Why did I stop when it didn't work, when I didn't even know what I was trying to say with it and in the in-between steps. So with the heel video, with that rehearsal, I just, I brought Harper 
to the studio and to the stage more. And I, I played with things more. I brought my personality. I brought wit. I brought humor. I incorporated that more into my dancing. And I instantly saw the benefit. And I instantly saw the reward in that. And I won that year. I won the 2015 Princess Grace Award. And having that understanding behind it was kind of like a confirmation of Harper, you're doing the right thing. And then later in 2016, I was promoted to demi-soloist out of the core. You have to take risks, you have to try things. And when you get a response from them, you need to do it even more. <laughs> you need to enforce what you were doing even more. And I hear that the risk that you're saying that you have to take, at least one of them is being yourself. Oh my gosh. I tell people all the time, one of the greatest powers that we possess is the power to be ourselves. I didn't set out to make a heel video that went viral. I didn't set out to work with Urban Outfitters. I didn't set out to work with Target. I didn't set out to work with these people. My intention was always to be the best ballet dancer that I could be. And Instagram just happened to give me a platform where I could showcase that. And it's d turned into a way that I can empower and I can not only inspire, but I can activate people. That happened because I was a dancer. I applied myself in the studio. And what kind of responses did you get to the video? Like when people were typing in all these responses to it, what were they saying? Yeah. A lot of it was like, yes, get it. <laughs> a lot of it was like, to just you know people tagging like can you i can't believe it your legs look so good look, <laughs> you know, like a lot of it was like that but just like when i was like i now have your attention and i want to show you my work i realize now i have everybody's attention so i can show people my world and i wanted to show people I'm not just a random person who's strapped on the heels. I'm an artist. I'm a dedicated dancer who works really hard at their craft. And now that you're following me and I have millions of eyes on me, now I can post my dancing. I can post me expressing myself through my feminine side. I can show you my masculine side. I can show you, I can show you all of me and people will watch it. And I've been so... You know, I, I think that I had probably 20,000 followers at the time when I posted that video and that turned into 60,000. And then Instagram's Instagram, you know, that company, they shared the video and shared who I was and that brought me an audience. And so I just saw so many people responding to who I was. So I just continued to share it. It's amazing validation. Like it's really, really incredible to have that so quickly come back to you and the thing that I wonder about like you talked about how dance ballet can be so academic and you're being like oh you're correcting this part of this move and I imagine that when you're in a role it's very highly choreographed and the expectations about how just as you were saying with Don Quixote with um being the matador that yeah. bring more of this and and show up more this way more machismo and all this how much creativity do you have within these very choreographed roles to bring yourself into them, to bring the Harper sass and personality? See, I, I think what I've learned is that you have endless opportunity to do it. There is no limit to 
bringing yourself to that. And a lot of times I would hear my teachers say, well, tell you when it's too much, more is better. Much easier to tone down something than it is to build something up. And that's really true. I, I thought that my teachers were speaking words with no substance, but it really is just the truth of the matter. And I really thought that if I, that technique in facility was everything. I was like, my leg is higher than his. Why am I not doing that part? Or I can jump higher. My legs split more than him. Why am I not doing the soda shot on stage? It's not about just that. And understanding that I give the analogy that your technique is like the foundation of the house. It's the walls of the house. But what you put into it and how you decorate it is your artistry. And what makes it unique and special is your artistry. And you want it to be your house. You don't want it to look like, you don't want to live in something you don't like or isn't decorated that you want it. You want it to be yours. And so I'm just learning and still learning. There are, there's no limit to bringing yourself into roles. That's actually, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised by that, actually. Like, I thought my perception of ballet was that it was so regulated in the perfection of it, almost. And so it's really great to hear you say, it's not that people don't want you to do a really beautiful whatever you're going to do on the stage, but that it's all of you doing it. Yeah, and it's, it's difficult. It is difficult because, let's say, there's a core of 24 girls. You know, you can't take artistic liberty and just do whatever you want. You have to be in unison. And you have to stay in line and your arm has to be there. It is regulated in that sense. What's so great about our company and, and other companies is that our rep is so diverse. And there are other ballets that come along that world premieres or choreographers are looking for someone and it's in those moments that you have to be yourself and you have to not try and be someone else and so that that opportunity can lead to more opportunities how do you stand out you know you need to stand out in a company to to be where you want to be at least that's what i learned yeah. i could be in the core I, I did theme and variations one of my first years in the company which was 16 couples and I had such a great time doing it, but I also wanted to do Yuri Killian's Petite Mort, which was only six boys. If there's only two casts, 12 boys, there's all the soloists and principals who are above me. How do I get noticed? It's, it's finding your moments and it's finding your time, but you have to stand out. Okay. So Harper, one of the things I'm going to ask you about, which doesn't seem like it relates, but you brought it up a couple times, not in this interview, but and pre-interview stuff is what is the deal with Beyonce? <laughs> She's my everything really though. I just, like I've been saying, like I connected to Albert Evans and I connect to energy. Her music is just to me undeniable. Like I was one of the ones who, when her album dropped without any notice i purchased it without even hearing it and i stayed up till three in the morning watching every single video why because i just it was so good like i just connected to it and i think that she's she's smart in the sense that she slowly re reinvents herself but she always stay, stays true to who she is i mean there are some of the same moves that i see for years but they're just so good and i love her she's if i could dance for her that'd be a real special moment <laughs> 
at this point, in what ways do you feel you're still holding yourself back as a dancer? I just trying to aim to please people. I think that one of the best things about Instagram is you get to share yourself. You get to share your world. You get to, you have this platform to connect with thousands of people, millions of people, but it is based on likes. It is based on engagement. If someone tells you that they don't respond when they get along, like they don't respond positively when they get a lot of likes, at the end of the day, everybody wants audience. Audience is currency. So getting the like voices out of my head of, oh, people won't like that, even if I like it, or I want to try it like this way, but I know that I don't think people will like it. It's, it's battling those voices that holds me back in the studio, like on stage and off stage. And I think that that's really important because it's really, it's very easy to say, just be yourself and do your yeah. own and not care about what other people think. But we are all human. I, I don't know anybody who doesn't care about what other people think. I've heard people say they don't care about what other think, other people think, but I also know that they'll at the same time talk about just what you're saying. It's getting a lot of likes on Instagram or different things. We're all affected by that. And, yeah. and it is currency. It is a business. So in what ways do you, and I think it is important to talk honestly about it. And in what ways do you, do you balance that? Do you say, okay, I need to pay attention to this. I need to care. And I also need to bring all of me. For me, it's kind of just like trial and error, but it's also just sticking to it. If I post something that I'm really passionate about or really like, and it doesn't get a lot of views or a lot of likes, I do get anxiety because I'm like, why don't people like that? But I'll leave it up because it's like, Harper, you worked hard. And I give, I sometimes say this, I, when I did the thing with Instagram, there are 600, well, at the time there were 630 million people who follow Instagram. So 630 million people out there. The chances of you connecting with one million of them or just the odds of reaching people who are passionate about what you are passionate about are very, very high. And dress like and dance when quality, like you want quality over quantity. So I just try to remind myself with that, that, okay, maybe this one didn't do as well, but I'm sure and I'm certain that there are people out there who will connect to it. And it's much more important and more valuable and just more beneficial for our like society to have people connect with something than it is to just try to please them. Yeah, as you've seen. Okay, with a couple just kind of questions around actual dance that I'm curious about. Like you're sure. going out for a performance and yeah. you're about to go on stage. Are you like, you, are you like scared shitless? Are you feeling really confident? Like what's, what's happening right before you go on stage in front of a live audience? I'd say it depends on the performance, to be honest. Like Nutcracker in the past has been kind of like, besides the fact that we do 40 shows, those roles and those dances have been ingrained in us for years. And so it's more just kind of exciting. It's, it's not as nerve wracking because it feels comfortable. It's like riding a bike, but you know, I debuted as the prince this year and I was petrified. I, I would wake up in the middle of the night in like sweats 
because I would envision myself falling or dropping my partner. And I was really, really nervous. But understanding that it's a process and that it will, there is no way that it won't benefit you and you will learn from it and be better from it. That pushes you forward. You know, like (laughs) my director was like, you were nervous, weren't you? And I was like, I was so nervous, but I just would say that it it depends on, on the, on the ballet or the role. There's always a ballet that has one tricky part or one tricky step that dancers only focus on and they get out on stage before the show, like 10 minutes before and are only practicing that one step over and over and over again and hold so much value to that one step if it doesn't go wrong or, or if it doesn't go right over, it goes wrong. And that's something that I struggle with too, knowing that, okay, well, I did a lot less turns than I wanted to there or I didn't get the tricky lift, but how was everything else? And it goes back to what my director says about, you know, the perfect way. And how are you balancing that with communicating the energy with like keeping that in mind of dance? Like you said, it's not, we don't use words. We communicate through movement and through energy. So how are you thinking about the energy while also thinking about the moves? It's really hard. (laughs) It's really difficult. You know, Um, I struggle. I, I, I'm one of those dancers who struggles with being in the moment I'm one of those ones who kind of looks three steps ahead. And so sometimes I like cut certain things short or I try to find shortcuts because I'm already thinking about whatever difficult step is coming that I don't want to do, but I know I have to. And so telling yourself to be calm and telling yourself to um, be present is something that I try to remind myself of. But also really, really embracing the process um, really embracing rehearsals, giving it your most in rehearsals and allowing the work and the process to kind of lift you up to the stage is something that I've learned really works. Allowing yourself to make mistakes and to be open to trying new things and yeah, just trusting the process because figuring out and doing it fully in the studio only makes your dancing better on stage. So, so being more vulnerable and open in rehearsal in the studio. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like sometimes there are dancers who are like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to try as hard because it's just rehearsal. I'll save it for the stage. And sometimes it works for them. But for me, it, I'm just learning that I really do have to give my all in the studio so that I can learn what the breathing is going to be like. So I know how to pace myself. So I know what I'll feel in that moment. So I'm not shocked on stage and I'm not fighting anxiety when I need to be on my leg. (laughs) And so are there other ways that you deal with the anxiety besides just mindset stuff? I'm someone who's very loud and I'm very bold and I'm very chatty and a big personality. But when I do get nervous, I get very quiet and I get very to myself. And people are always aware of that. Um, and they're like, are you okay? Like, and I was like, oh, I'm fine. I'm just nervous, you know? And actually filming my YouTube series, The Pre-Show, and interacting with people and talking gets my mind actually kind of relaxed. And it's like therapeutic for me to just have conversations with other people. And it's almost like not devaluing what I'm about to do, but it's just kind of making it more matter of fact and more human it's it's okay like i'm just going out there and doing what i love i'm just going to go out there and dance rather than i'm not saving the world you know i'm not i'm not 
finding the cure to anything. It's just, I'm going out there and I'm for a few moments, I'm going to share myself and have us and tell a story and um, having those conversations with people and joking around and laughing and listening to music and the whole process of doing my makeup, the pre-show activities really do, really do help me personally. And holding it, it sounds like just holding it a lot lighter. When you go out on stage now and like as somebody who is gay and black, have you found response from younger generations from kids who see you and feel that now that they've seen you, there's a place on the stage for them? Yeah, I definitely have. I think that dancers who have come before me have really paved the way for me to be able to do what I'm doing and live my life the way I am, you know, and I try to carry their legacy um, with me every time I step on the stage. And that also allows me to relax. And But the response that I've gotten from young dancers who look like me and or who kind of think the way I do or are the same sexuality as me. I can't really describe it any other way by just being it's so amazing. It really it really warms my heart to know that just by being myself and working hard, I'm empowering the next generation. And Missy Copeland, she really paved the way in navigating a world that is so socially social media driven in opening the eyes of people who never really thought that African-Americans could be a dancer or could um, succeed. And she's kind of in her navigating that difficult topic is really, is, is really monumental. But in doing so, a lot of people will then say, oh, well, why aren't you doing the, why aren't you doing this role, Harper? Like you need to be doing that role. We need to see more dancers of color. Why aren't there more dancers of color? And that's a really, really good question. But like I said earlier, dance is an elite art form. You can't just put anybody up on stage to do it. And that's why it starts by going out to places that don't have access to dance or starting with a younger generation of dancers because ensuring that everyone has an equal opportunity to be their best and to excel and has the tools to do so, then you increase your chances of having a more colorful, diverse stage for the future. I'm glad and kind of privileged that I can play a part in doing that. And I, I see it, you know, I really see that there are dancers and that's just because I'm in the ballet world that I, there, there are dancers who are coming up who are extremely talented. And it started with the efforts of people before me and will continue with the efforts of myself and others similar in my position. It's a beautiful thing to see ballet change slowly. And it's like you said, you know, it's a very privileged world. It's an expensive world. And um, like when you were first at Houston Ballet, you've seen all the people in the hallways, very prim and proper. And then there you are with your big personality. And yeah, yeah it's, it's bringing more of that diversity into the dance world where it's not everybody who's been educated in the same way who has this very who has like morphed into whether or not they're born this way but morphed into very similar personality types but to, yeah 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 it's just it, it's it's a it's the truth that it's expensive where are these studios taking place like or coming about you know they're not happening in rural areas they're not happening in socially marginalized you know places and so 
we have amazing outreach programs here at Houston and there are tons of new programs coming about in other big companies like Project Plie with American Ballet Theater. And um, I joined the Diversity Equ and Equity and Inclusion Committee here at Houston Ballet this year, just so I could kind of use my platform and my voice a lot more and to also learn about it. But it really, it really is just going to places and giving people who wouldn't normally have an opportunity an opportunity because I don't deserve to do Romeo because I'm black. I deserve it to do it because I'm good, but mm. yes, I should do it. And everybody should have the same opportunity to do it. Do you ever feel that? Oh my gosh, I'm tired of this whole like black gay thing. Like, you know, like I don't want to be the representative or I don't want to have people talk to, have like even me asking questions about this aspect of who I am or does it feel like no this is important and this is an important thing to to keep talking about uh, I think it's a important thing to talk about because just look at what has happened over the course of history when people are passionate and really drive a point home change happens I guess it's like dance it just doesn't happen overnight I'm certain we will see the inspiration come to fruition and in years to come. But I do feel pressure sometimes, but the positive kind of role that I've taken always outweighs, always outweighs that. Nice. Okay. Well, as we finish up, there's a few things here. So first of all, I'm curious now at the place that you're at, do you feel like, oh man, I have made it? Or like, where are you at in terms of how you view your dance career? I don't know. You know, I really thought I just was going to be a dancer. With Instagram opening up so many doors for me, I don't know really what the future holds. I'm very fulfilled as a dancer, to be honest. I'm very fulfilled with the roles that I get to do, and I'm very comfortable not complacent, but I'm comfortable with um, my rank and my position within Houston Ballet. I think that, and I know that I will, I will always dance. I will always be used. And I feel like I have a trusting relationship with my boss and the faculty here and my coworkers. What the uncertainty I have as far as making it is, is really using my voice for other, other things as far as outside of ballet, just representing a community and a group and people who are like me, look like me, believe in the same things I do. I am well aware of what I've accomplished so far, and it just makes me want to accomplish that even more. Um, well, what kind of doors are being opened for you through Instagram? This summer, I flew to Minneapolis with Target, and I was brought out with um, 30 other influencers from around the world um, to join the creative team of Target. Target has, they've understood the power that influencers and our generation has in using our voice as young people. They have curated us to create content on, with ourselves, on ourselves, for ourselves, for our followers, with basically anything that Target has to offer. I would never have imagined when I moved down when I was 16 years old into a dorm of six boys by myself, you know, like on my own, walking to Kroger, getting pasta to cook for like the week, 
that I would be sitting across from the senior vice president of Target. But when Target called me, I was like, first of all, I thought it was a prank. <laughs> and I was being scammed. But of course I'm going to do it. I'm a ballet dancer. And I represent so much. I want to use this platform to do something. But just like when I joined the company in Houston, I, could, I can't just say, oh, well, I'm here at Target. Like now the work really starts. Now that I have a, such a huge platform, what am I going to represent? How do I tell my story? How do I represent people that follow me? I'm eager to see what, what else I can do, but it's like, I don't even know what, what's out there and what's possible. Would you attribute like where you're at now to basically working your butt off and really showing up as you? Or is there more? Do you think there's more than that? Well, you know, in our day and age, when you have a viral video, you can't plan that. Do I think the stars aligned on that one minute that I pressed post that people were on their phones and it just blew up? You know, I acknowledge the kind of serendipitous nature to it, but I filmed that because I was me. Yeah. And I shared it because I was unapologetically me. And just as much as it is maybe people want to say luck, it really is just putting yourself out there. You know, you have to put yourself out there. How, how else are you going to do what you want to do if people can't see that you want to do it? So I attribute it to both. And I think that I don't want to, I don't want to live in a box. I don't want, there are people who in my company, beautiful dancers who are content with just being a ballet dancer. And that's fantastic. Harper wants to do so much more. And I just have so, I have, there are just so many other things that like, I don't want to, I don't want to deny myself the happiness that it brings me. And so I just, I I act on it. If I feel a gut instinct, if I feel a a motivation to do it, I'm going to do it. And I've done it and I've, I've seen what it can do for me. So I do think that it is luck and it is maybe a moment in time, but it all happened because I was myself. Yeah, I didn't even, I mean, maybe other, but a lot of people say luck to you. I didn't bring that word up because I, I think, I don't, I don't think it is luck. I think, I mean, like you say, it can be the stars aligning, but there's a lot of other things that happened for those. Yeah. So one question that I have is at this point, looking back at the little boy who would go behind his parents, his mom, when people were staring at you and giving you unwanted attention, attention that you couldn't control, what would you say now to that, to the boy? I would say, just be fearless. Fight the fears that you have because they will only make you stronger and will only make you a better version of who you're going to be. I'm probably one of the firmest believers that everything happens for a reason. So it's hard for me to say, to like picture myself going back and being like, oh, ignore that person. Like they won't matter because, you know, like you have to go down before you can get back up. Yeah, I just, I think I would say be fearless and know that when you feel doubt that it's okay. 
And it's not bad to be scared. And it's not bad to to question yourself. It's just part of the process. And I'll I'll just say that you will be fabulous. (laughs) You're going to be, you're going to be great. And to, I, I, I would also say to take care of others and, because I don't think I did that enough. I think I was really focused on myself coming up in a way that was maybe protecting myself, but I just, I wish that I got to be more aware of my surroundings as far as getting to know maybe people who were also looked at as different, say to be more open to those people. But yeah, I, I just would say be fearless. Yeah. Okay. So the last part of the interview, first of all, the first thing is if you want to f- start following Harper, the best way to like just be part of Harper's world is definitely through Instagram. So go to, you can go to Instagram and his handle is at the Harper waters and that's with two T. So it's W a T T E R S that's Harper's Instagram handle. And you can see also, I mean, you'll see videos of you of Harper dancing so beautifully. I mean, Harper, you really are a beautiful dancer. So you get to see that. You get to see all parts of him. You can see little things that will link you to pre-show and all the stuff that Harper's up to. So it's a, it's a great account to follow. And, um, and then I do a gratitude before asking my last question. And one of the things that really struck me in this conversation is I could see how you're a great dancer because when I prepared for this interview and I watched a lot of your videos, you're everything you say, like you're big personality and you're very funny and sassy and you say all these, like you play around a lot. And, and then when it came time for the interview, you showed up. And now I also, I'm like, well, of course you do because you have to be able to do that with dance to be the dancer that you are. You can be the Harper that you are, and you bring all that with the seriousness, with the dedication, with the working your butt off to, to this art. So I really appreciate that you're able to hold both and that you know when, when one is appropriate and when the other is appropriate and you just bring to the table whatever's needed. I love that. Thank and you. yeah, you're welcome. And of course, I just love, um, I love watching you dance. Like I've watched videos now of you and I just, I love it. You're really a fantastic dancer. So thank you. And, and then, okay. I don't usually do three, but last thing is I thank you for stepping into like, this is who I am. And these are the labels that I'm given by our culture. And I'm going, instead of trying to, trying to ignore them or, pretend like they're, they're not, they don't have meaning. You're like you say, fully embracing them and then showing up as an example for others, which is really, really valuable. So all of that gratitude I have for you. Thank you. You're welcome. And then the last question, I want to know when any art and dance is very, very much on like in the eye of the audience. I think more so dance sometimes in some other arts, but with every art, there are highs and lows. I mean, with life, there's highs and lows and you have to have them. I would imagine on 
a somewhat consistent basis in dance. So when you hit those lows, how do you pick yourself up and keep going so that you can keep moving forward and keep being a better and better dancer and showing up on more and more stages? Wow. I listened to Beyonce. No. <laughs> um, it's a whole kind of orchestra of things I think that I use to keep going, whether it's the people who I know I represent who are reaching out to me through my Instagram, whether it's my parents who are just constantly flooding me with words of support and encouragement and love. And, but it's also, I just try to remind myself of the times that I, I'm, I am on stage, you know, I'm on stage and what that feels like. And I think when I lose that, it will probably be time to step off the stage. But when you're at bar and you look at yourself and you're questioning things or you're saying, oh, so bad today, you know, I just try to look at the performances that I've had that have just bring, brought me so much joy and why I started dancing and what that feels like and to not ever deny myself of that moment. Um, and just know that it, it's a process, you know, like I keep saying, but I'll just keep reinforcing that, that you have to go down before you go up. And it's a beautiful thing to call yourself a ballet dancer, but it's just even more of a more beautiful thing to be happy with yourself and to be happy as an artist. So, um, yeah. That's great. Thank you so much, Harper. Thank you for having me. I'm Daphne Cohn, and you've been listening to the Creativity Habit Podcast. For more conversations with brave and experimental artists, head on over to thecreativityhabit.com. You can follow the Creativity Habit on Instagram, and you can support the podcast and the artists on it by going to iTunes Podcasts and subscribing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. The more reviews, the more folks know about all these incredible artists and makers doing such beautiful work in the world. So thank you for taking a couple minutes of your time to share your thoughts over at iTunes. And join me next week for another Creativity Habit podcast. Thank you for listening. Don't